Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, Tomorrow's Leaders. So I've got Kisan Patel, who is the CEO and founder of MA Science. He is also a podcaster. He is an author and uh, just really cool story. I enjoyed talking with him a lot. In fact, so much so that I might end up doing a part two and dive a little deeper because we got in some really cool stuff just about the whole merger and acquisition in uh, uh, area, uh, different industries. We talked about uh, what makes a good workplace and uh, what leaders need to be focused on and blending different cultures, all kinds of cool stuff. So lots of fun to talk to this guy. I think you're going to really like this one. Here is Kisan. All right. Welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Laredo, your host with a great guest today. I've got Kisan Patel, who is the CEO and founder of MA Science. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's a very successful consultant. Very happy to have you on the show, Kisan. Thanks for joining. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm admiring because we've got some of our audience that's watching on YouTube so they can see your setup there, which is really cool. Great setup. Most of our audience is listening, so they just hear the great sound quality. But you're a podcaster. I love talking to fellow podcasters, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'd love to hear your backstory. You know, you're very successful. You obviously provide a lot of advice and guidance and uh, do a lot of great work. What got you to where you are right now? Boy, the long trials and tribulations <laughs> is what it did. But a little unique. I, I started uh, undergrad like most folks, but actually failed at undergrad. Academic deficiencies, had a real short tension span, struggled with it. Found my way working for minimum wage in the south side of Chicago for an uncle of mine. And that's where I learned to actually develop work ethics. Uh, in a year period of time, I was managing a few stores for him and had aspirations to get into real estate, figure that's where I can build a career without having the college degree and just, just terrible at selling houses. Couldn't connect with the emotional uh, aspects of that kind of sale, but found my way into this little boutique M&A advisory practice. Uh, and started getting traction there. Love the concept of analyzing financials, building a narrative, identifying where the opportunity was on those kind of private business uh, transactions. And ended up a year later starting my own consultancy practice to help various buyers and sellers of private companies, which grew over a period of a decade to working with larger companies, um, mm -hmm. some larger hospitality brands and small financial institutions. Then the recession happened, got a good kick, uh, like a lot of others did, and started looking over at the tech space, took some inspiration from what was happening in the software industry and seeing how software engineers were using these cool project management tools and thought, why not project management for these large complex M&A deals that happen in the world? And started a company called Deal Room in 2012, struggled like hell for about five years, and uh, was very fortunate a friend of my marketing was like, hey man, you should do a podcast. And I was like, what the hell is a podcast? And, uh, you know, long story short, that really helped create a lot of tailwind 
where our business essentially evolved into a media business within our company that today we create a lot of educational resources, blogs, eBooks. We published our second book, working on a third one and ended up starting an online school for M&A, which we operate the M&A Science Academy today. So all things M&A, education, technology tools, and uh, love the space, have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I love it. Well, it's exciting. And first of all, I love your honesty because my, there's a lot of people that come on and they tell nothing but the great success. And you started off, and I admire that because I did too. I almost failed out of college. And you know, sometimes it, it's a wake-up call and you have uh, you know your trials and tribulations and ups and downs. Um, but you've gotten to where you are because of persistence and no doubt uh, just perseverance and sure desire to, to keep moving ahead. You've been creative. You've adapted. So I love what you've done. Um, so with the, in the M&A &A, M space, are you in all different industries or is it certain industries that you're focused on? No, we're, we're well diversified. I would say we have a focus on corporate M&A. So we tend to work with billion dollar market cap or larger organizations and also private equity backed roll-ups. So mm -hmm. So are you niche. actually part of sourcing that and kind of matchmaking or is it more of the actual logistics and process and everything? I would say we, we provide the tech infrastructure for them to manage the life cycle of the deal, the sourcing, the diligence, and then integrations where things really get complex when you have to yeah. make a lot of changes to combine companies and get the value you anticipated yeah. out of them. Um, and then we also provide a lot of educational tools and templates, uh, yeah. frameworks to so, optimize the process and get people aligned on what they need to get done. So let me ask you a question because there's so many things I want to ask you about. I know we've got somewhat limited time here, but you know, a big thing I see leaders struggle with in companies and especially when it comes to, uh, mergers and acquisitions where you have just these culture clashes um, you have different groups getting together that just somehow can't integrate very well or they don't or they choose not to or whatnot. And I've seen the debacle that that creates in many cases. What is the key to that? I mean, from a leader's standpoint, and you're trying to avoid having these silos within an organization and companies within companies necessarily sometimes, how does a leader, what can a leader do to help transition that and make that smooth? Yeah, I would say it comes from both sides of the table. Transparency is going to be the big theme here. One, as a buyer, can I bring this end state in mind to the very front of the process? Can I be clear with you? Hey, John, I'm interested in, in acquiring your business, but this is what I'm actually trying to do with it. This is where I see the opportunity and what the vision of that end state is going to look like. Because for this to work out, I need to be aligned with you so that we can work together to achieve this goal. So I think having that level of transparency and then giving you that understanding of what it's actually going to take for us to achieve this goal yeah. and having you part of it, aligning your team and we work together. The second is, can we get aligned around our respected organization's values? Can I be upfront candid about that and understand your organization's values so we can identify where we have things in common in terms of the way we work or in our organizations and where we have differences and where those differences may cause some friction because we may realize that there's totally different ways of working. You have a very top-down management structure. We're very flat and collaborative and encourage a lot of the bottoms-up ideas, and that's not going to work together. Maybe it helps us identify that we need to redefine our strategy and how we're going to integrate the companies, or maybe it's better not to do the deal. So I think a lot of this is built around being transparent and clear on the goals of doing the deal, of what are going to be the drivers, 
and then also the values to align around where are these cultural differences going to come from? Have you seen a lot of, and I'm sure you've seen a lot where they've, even though they've recognized maybe they have different values and there's too many differences that they've still forged ahead with it. Um, have have you seen where times where it's come close and they've identified that there is just no real easy way to co- coordinate based on values and everything like that and they've backed out of it? Have you seen there, that? There's some cases, There's, and I think that's strong leadership to do that. There's this thing, John, called deal fever that uh, yeah. you've invested in, You've especially when you start going through a deal process, you put a lot of resources, you actually put a good amount of time and capital as you progress through the deal. And once you get that certain point, you're really bought in and you want to push to get this deal done and you start ignoring some of these red flags. And that's a common thing that happens. Yeah. So there's, there's ways to even approach it. I had a really good interview I did with 3M and they actually have an approach uh, with like a red team exercise. So thinking, how do you create this team internally that their role is to knock the deal down? So they're building a case to knock the deal down. They both present it to the deal committee. Wow. Here's the case to do the deal. Here's the case not to do the deal. And really using that as a mechanism to remove those cognitive biases that yeah. tend to happen. Yeah. Wow. So, I love that. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, if you, and you're right because leaders get so, and it doesn't even matter if it's a, a merger acquisition or if it's a project or it's a new initiative or a new product uh, leaders get so emotionally vested and, um, and and invested, they see what they want to see and they become blind and ultimately don't see those red flags. But I love your concept there of having that red team there. Do you think, is that something that leaders should, thinking of CEOs, should leaders have that concept for really anything? I mean, hey, listen, we're talking about going into a new market. Let's build a red team. Tell us all the reasons why we should not. Is that, does that make sense? I, in, in my company, I encourage the feedback. I, I want to know, I encourage the criticism and make it part of our company culture. Uh, I even have to give a disclaimer to some new hires that, hey, it may sound like people are talking shit to each other, but they're not. This is something that I want everybody to be comfortable criticizing each other because that's what's actually going to help us get better. If I can give you this unfiltered feedback and, and you're comfortable and you're used to it, sometimes we fuse the personal message and the business message together and then things people get defensive about it. It's like, no, I'm not trying to hurt your feeling. Periodically, I got to remind team members that. Yeah. So look, I, sometimes I just jump in. And I, I know I, I'm supposed to give positive, positive criticism, but for the sake of time, I'll catch up on the positive stuff later and let me just yeah. give you the criticism that's on top of mine because I know that's what's going to actually drive more value and yeah. help you identify where to get better. I, that's... Probably one of the most powerful things to have in a company. And I think people get used to it. They really value it and they find it as a great mechanism for them to identify where and how they can improve. I would agree. And I've seen organizations that do that very well. I've seen leaders that breed that type of environment and that culture very well. But I also know there's leaders that may be listening right now saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I that's my culture. I mean, people criticize me. I take criticism well. And in reality, they don't. And they're not they're just not self aware. How do you, what's, is there a way for a leader to know, kind of to, to acid test that and say, and know whether they are doing that and breeding the right culture or not, or what it, what it, what message you you just, you have to invite it directly, even having one-on-ones and bring it up. Even after this interview, John, I'm going to turn around and ask you, how can I done this interview better and, Mm -hmm. and get some of that. And then you get used to it. So now I start looking for it. I need these clues and I, I keep trying to pick them up. I remember I did an exit interview and same thing, I want the feedback on leadership. How could I have been a better leader? 
I went home. I had my daughter. She's only 10 years old at the time. Took her out for dinner. I said, hey, honey, how about giving me some feedback as a dad? And I asked her, like, give me the good and bad. And it was so surprising because the things I thought she was going to say were good were actually the criticism and the vice versa. The th- uh, things I thought oh. she was criticism were the positives. She's like, yeah, you know, you're tough on me and this and that. You really push me. And so it was, wow. surprises you. <laughs> That's impressive. Now you got me now. Well, I'm going to do that. That's like, I love that. Uh, we don't ask for feedback enough. And even, yeah, as a parent, I mean, you can ask feedback on really anything, even friends. How am I as a friend or how well do I listen? We don't do that enough. It's a listening pattern. You got to get in that mindset where you need to enter conversations. A lot of times we have our goals, initiatives, things we want to put and get out of the conversation. You really need to put that aside and listen to the other person, understand what their initiatives are, what their goals are, figure out how you can align yourself around them and how helping them achieve their goals. That'll help you progress so much further. Yeah. I, I think too, just that mindset's so important because a lot of times we get so distracted. And even when I mentioned failing out of school, I struggle with this ADD. Things are always on my mind. Yeah. And you get yourself in that mindset. I call it be dumb where you just assume what you know is wrong or uh, you know nothing and just get into that mindset where you can uh, be actively listening. Yeah. Even if things pop up, take a quick note, get back to it later yeah. and really, really listen and add the layers of the conversation, get some depth, ask why get in the person's head, understand where they're coming from, how they feel, why they feel that way. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we we all have our our blind spots and we don't necessarily know what we're doing well or not, or we think we know what we're doing well or not. But I just think about the other side. There's so many times I might be working with somebody and I'm saying to myself, wow, this person is really good at this. Or, hey, you know, if this person did something different and it's up in my mind and I, I, I should know better, I should offer that feedback. But as humans, we don't always. So there's I think as leaders, we got to recognize that there's a lot of stuff going on in the brains of the people that we're surrounding ourselves with that we're not pulling out. And it might be feedback, but it also might be ideas. It might be things that can really contribute to the well-being of the organization, strategic ideas and decisions that we're not necessarily tapping into because leaders aren't asking the right questions. Do you feel that is the case sometimes that leaders just struggle to really, they're telling too much and not asking enough? I I, I agree. I think it's how you stage your communication framework in your organization where objectively you want to be transparent, but you want to let your team know that that's what you're trying to achieve. I want to create a communication framework where everyone is really comfortable sharing their ideas and also pointing out to problems because as a growing organization, cracks are starting to appear and we want to make sure they don't blow us through the floor. So let's identify it. And I, I think it's really important. I got great stories of just the most junior software engineer put his hand up with an idea and it turned out to be one of the biggest features in our product. And if we didn't have that framework of communication where it made them comfortable to speak up and share their ideas. And plus that lends to a good workplace. I look at it as those three key elements, mm-hmm. having the communication platform, everybody has a voice that's heard and they feel their voice is being heard. The second is acknowledging achievements across the company and you know, engineers have big achievements and making sure it's acknowledged. And even with the sales winning big logos, and then also creating an environment where you feel you work amongst friends. Yeah. So even that time together, just to just hang out, have whatever it is, social stuff, uh, it's funny, it's different culture to culture. America, we like to drink. Others, they go hike in mountains and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but either way, you're just taking time away, learning about each other, family, feel you have that relationship, makes it real comfortable to get 
work with your team, get the help when you need it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those things are just being upfront. Hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. And this is what I feel is an ideal workplace. And yeah. you know, what can we do to make sure that's happening? That's great. I know you do. You mentioned you do some work with teaching kids leadership. I love that because, wow, what a great time to start in somebody's life as a kid. Why, why wait till you're an adult to learn how to lead? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I started with my daughter. I think she was seven years old. I read Ray Dalio's Principles to her, which was above her reading level, but it led to some good conversations about empathy, how the brain works, open-minded versus closed-minded. And then I started uh, detailing my principles. You know, I'm about discipline, learning pattern, empathy. And I'm like, you know, honey, dad doesn't know all this stuff. Why don't we make a point to go interview other people and see what they have to say, learn from them. And uh, I had asked a buddy to do a favor, uh, 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 the CEO of Morningstar here in, in Chicago. So we did this pilot interview when my daughter led the whole interview and interviewed him about leadership. And it was such a fun thing. We had such great feedback around it. Just, I had a friend call me right afterwards. He's like, hey man, I think you're onto something. We need to have these little girls break down these corporate titans and get the truth out of them. <laughs> yeah. But and then we, we ended up turning it into a series. So my, my passion project is this newer podcast called Boss Move, where essentially it's about interviewing influencers, taking their top three principles for leadership or success and workshopping it, turning it into some practical how-tos for a younger audience to understand. Because a lot of times I see the influencers talk about vulnerability, empathy, but what, what does that mean to somebody that's in high school or even junior high? Mm-hmm. And can we turn it down to some practical how-tos? And I feel like that's what's lacking right now in the education system. They don't learn a lot of these kind of life lessons. Yeah, uh, that's such a good point. They know the concept. They learn a concept or the principle, but you're right. What does that actually look like and mean? And what are examples? And that's that's such a good point, and that's missing in how we teach people. I'll give you an example. My, with my household, with the kids, I have a rule that they can't use the word thank you or sorry alone. They're very transactional words that essentially are meaningless. So they need to attach meaning to it. So if they say thank you or sorry, it's the for what or why. It's the thank you for you know being so fast. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, thank you for bagging my groceries. Whatever it is. Uh, thank you for the great service and recommendations. Sorry for, I've lost your umbrella. Uh, you know, really defining, but it teaches them the why. That a lot of times we forget about that. We start having these dialogues and we ask for something, but we don't add in the why to put in the level of detail that gets people to understand things. So just creating that as a behavior pattern, it goes a long ways because now they build a case for things. When they ask for something, they're putting the rationale to it. Right. And that's, you know, that's the whiff them. What's in it for me? You know, oftentimes we don't, we tell somebody as a leader, ask somebody to do something, but they're not understanding how, how that's connecting with the big mission or overall vision or connecting the dots, so to speak, or how that benefits them. So I, I people don't that. want to do anything unless there's a good reason why. So it's, uh, you know, why don't we teach these kids that are a little sooner than later? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, if, if people want to, uh, uh, learn, uh, listen to the podcast, is it just on audio or video too? I do. I think we have, we have both of them. I know, I, I know we have audio and I think they do video highlights. The, the gotcha. leadership podcast, it's called boss move. Uh, awesome. Just one word. Okay. And then um, we have M&A Science is the M&A podcast. Excellent. And we'll put that in the show notes for the listeners so they can click right to it. Um, how about if people want to find out more about you or find out more about M&A Science? Absolutely. We have a website, mascience.com. We have over 350 pieces of published content that uh, covers all areas of M&A. So if anybody's interested in learning M&A, tons of resources there. Myself, I'm on LinkedIn. It's just Kisan, K-I-S-O-N, Patel. 
and uh, happy to engage and talk M&A shop, leadership, all of them. Great. And then lastly, your books, if people want to pick that up. I know they, I saw it on your website, I think you can get them, right? Or is it yeah, on Amazon? Or, yeah. Both on Amazon and, and the book um, uh, on our website. I think the, the one book that's probably a little more popular is called Agile M&A. So we did a case studies with Google and Lassie and how they use Agile techniques in their M&A approach. And um, it's just a nice uh, book that's in, uh, designed as a framework to help other companies adopt that uh, approach for agility when approaching M&A. Great. Well, I'm going to use your uh, technique here and say uh, thank you, Kisan, for being such a great guest and sharing such wisdom and uh, doing it in such a fun way because I love your your stories and examples. So you've been great. That was fun. You're yeah. a good podcast. Very easy to talk to. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Terrific. Well, hopefully we'll have you on another time. We'll go, uh, go deeper because there's so much more I want to talk to you about as well. My pleasure, John. Yeah, and thank you all for tuning in today on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. As always, like, share, subscribe, uh, go down below, give five-star review, of course, and I welcome your feedback in terms of future guests and content, issues you may be struggling with or just things you want to learn about leadership. Let me know, direct message me, and I'll be happy to incorporate it into the next episode, and I'll give you some props. I'll let you know where that, uh, I'll shout out your name and let uh, everybody know where that idea came from. So thanks for joining again, Kisan. Thanks for being such a great guest. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. For suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching, reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.